potteries, coal, clay, fire, innovation, labor. We're in the furnace of the Industrial Revolution, the heartland of ceramics production in Britain. Earthenware, stoneware, porcelain. The potteries, the six towns of Tunstall, Burslem, Hanley, Stoke-on-Trent, Fenton, Longton. Earthenware, stoneware, porcelain. Porcelain, what does the word conjure in your mind? And why is the word etymologically related to pigs? Porcelain, once treasured, still collected. Porcelain obsessed the crowned heads of Europe. Porcelain suggests taste, refinement, gentility, stability, tea drinking, a growing middle class with disposable income. Porcelain was first made in China and it took some time for the secret of its manufacture to be discovered in Europe. Porcelain was more sought after than gold. The story of how it came to be manufactured in Europe is an astonishing one. And it begins with an alchemist. We're in the closing years of the 1600s and Johann Butger, a self-styled alchemist, probably a charlatan, is chased across the various territories of the Holy Roman Empire by princes and electors of those states. The Holy Roman Empire, as I'm sure you know, became what we now call Germany. One of its most powerful states was Prussia. Butka lived and worked in Prussia, apprenticed to an apothecary where, so the rumor went, he had produced gold. He is a wanted man. He runs away, is chased. Whoever captures him can be sure of gold. August de Stark, Augustus the Strong of Saxony, captures Butka. He is imprisoned in a dungeon in Dresden to be released only when he has produced much needed gold for Augustus's vanity projects. Augustus was a spendthrift. He built palaces and craved luxury. He wanted to make Dresden the Versailles of the Holy Roman Empire. He exchanged a regiment for a set of Chinese vases from King Friedrich Wilhelm I of Prussia. These vases were imported at great expense from China. The recipe for porcelain, still unknown outside the Far East. Trapped in a dungeon workshop below the fortress in Dresden, the alchemist Butger could not produce gold, but now he was working alongside polymath Ehrenfried Walter von Schoenhaus. They turned their attention to something more valuable than gold. Working in cramped darkness, the floor level rising as they discarded shards of their failed efforts. They were under strict instructions not to leave any traces of their experimentation beyond the fortress, because there were spies from other states sniffing about. Eventually, they discover the recipe so many sought. 
they produced porcelain. Augustus funded the first porcelain factory in Europe, just outside Dresden, Meissen, in 1710. Butger, the alchemist, becomes its first manager. Butger could not transmute lead into gold, but he could transform himself from an alchemist into a ceramicist, from crazed charlatan to sober industrialist. The alchemist, the polymath, and the vain prince. Creativity, ingenuity, capital. You have the raw materials, but do you have eccentricity that borders on madness? Do you know a lunatic millionaire spendthrift? From Saxony, the secret of porcelain leaked out to Austria, to Italy, to France, and eventually, some 30 years later, to England. First in London, but eventually to Derby and Stoke. The potteries had been an area of ceramics production before porcelain, so the infrastructure was already in place. We're talking hard paste porcelain, not soft paste, just so you know. The recipe for the inferior soft paste porcelain had been around for a while. Hard paste is what everyone sought. Bone china is the result of ash from bones being added to the mix for soft paste porcelain. This was pioneered in London, but it was Josiah Spode in 1770 who refined this technique. He opened a factory in Stoke. From then, for 30 to 40 years, Stoke became the centre of porcelain manufacture in the UK and one of the biggest in the world. So the word porcelain, does it come from pigs because of those bones? No, it comes from cowrie shells. Some of the factories that sprang up around Stoke became household brands, along with Spode, Royal Dalton, Wedgwood, Royal Stafford. But Stoke's fortunes followed the progress of the Industrial Revolution in the UK. At its peak, there were around a hundred factories in and around the potteries. What was once one of the most valuable and desired materials in the world, porcelain, soon became commonplace. What was once fashionable became humdrum. You take material from the earth, fire it, create something astonishing. But more recently it's become commonplace, like anything else, a commodity, cheap, disposable. When a piece of china breaks all the heat, the ancient forces that produced it, the 300 million year old energy, they're all lost forever. Just sweep it up and bin it. In William Morris's News from Nowhere, he describes a future utopian state where the most precious things are available to everyone. Well, here it is. This is utopia. In 1995, Royal Dalton opened a factory in Jakarta, Indonesia, but went into administration in 2009. Spode also moved production to the Far East, but in 2009, it was acquired by the Port Merion Group, along with Royal Worcester, for just 3.2 million. A snip, a snap, a crackle, a pop. The decline of porcelain 
mirrors the general decline of manufacturing in the UK. Porcelain was once more sought after than gold. Now the world is almost flooded with it. Why can't we fetishize the commonplace? Why do we cherish only what we see as rare? When you want something, imagine everyone has it. Does it matter so much now? Is your desire bound up with wanting to feel somehow privileged? Like the floor of the dungeon in which Butka and Chernhaus work, the floor of the planet is littered with what we have thrown away. The distance between floor and ceiling grows narrower. We must stoop to do what we once did standing up straight. This is, of course, a metaphor. You know what I mean. <laughs>